0: Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Deliver More Show brought to you by the exceptional team here at InTech Services, proud host of the returning InTech Information Institute this October 18th and 19th in the great city of Nashville. Make sure you visit InTech Services online and sign up today. Welcome back to the Deliver More Show. Mike, it's fall, it's back to school, and school is in session today It on is in More.
1: session, and I'm getting ready to school people today on a topic that <laughs> we get a lot of questions about.
0: This is an interesting one. Uh, welcome, uh, Wolf. It's it's uh, the fall, and what we're talking about today is making its fall and first debut here on the Deliver More Show.
2: It is. Yeah, we're, we're focusing on polyurethane today, and um, you know, we, it's something we've been dabbling with for a little while, but uh, we really wanted to do. You know, a dedicated segment on it. So looking really so, forward to it.
0: So, as somebody who's a, a lifelong learner, I'm really in uh, to this particular episode. Really into learning, and I, I understand that we have a rather sticky situation today as we're talking release coatings for polyurethane. Uh, Mike, from what I understand and what I'm have what I've hearing from you guys talking in, in the prep, is this is kind of a decades long kind of, uh, thorn in the side, uh, as far as a couple traditional markets that you work in, correct?
1: It really is. And there's a couple markets that, that really have been, as long as I've been doing this and decades before I've been doing this, they've been one of those daunting challenges for, ding ding. for any nonstick coating. Um, one, uh, is sweet goods. And when we say sweet goods, we're talking about high sugar content. So okay. things over 50% sugar. Mm-hmm. So any of the crap you see in a gas station, that's like cupcakes <laughs> and all this stuff. <laughs> all and falls that's under what that. I'm talking about. Okay. Um, it is, and what it is, is there's so much sugar in there that it permeates the, the coating uh-huh. and then causes a, a layer of, of sugar. And then it will just cause additional sticking after that. The second market, polyurethane, is also fits into that category of just a long time nemesis of, of coatings. And and, and it has the same sort of characteristics where in, in polyurethane, there's isocyanates, and, and that permeates the coating, and that will cause a premature sticking and then ultimately failure of the non-stick characteristics. So okay. those two have always been out there. They've always been the things that when we have internal brainstorm sessions about where we can grow and gain more market share, those two – uh, opportunities or those two worlds, market segments have been areas where we've always been like, find a coating for this. And so, yeah. luckily, um, I, we have a coating that works really well for polyurethane. And so, we are excited to talk about that today, as far as what we what we know about that market and what we've found about uh, how Teflon can work there successfully. Okay,
0: that's well, outstanding news for our listeners. Then, so um, Wolf. Take me into it. So what kind of uh, what, what types of markets or applications use uh, this particular uh, foam we're talking about today?
2: For sure. Uh, you know it could be as simple as you know what we're sitting on right now in the furniture industry with the padding. And that's like a flexible foam which they can make you know, different very, uh, or various uh, uh, firmnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have you know, like the, the whole carpeting and restaurant industry with like fatigue mats or carpet underlayment. Um, we have shoe molds, uh, that's like a, a polyurethane elastomer that goes on shoe, you know, that, that they make shoe molds out of. And then um, you have, uh, you know, the total transportation industry. I mean, gosh, it, it's pretty vast when you start getting into just the automobile segment alone. But then you, you got ATVs, recreational vehicles, you got marine uh, that's all using, you know, some sort of padding uh, in that industry. Seating. Um, Seating exactly Uh, armrests headrests things like that Um, and even like packaging you know like if you're if people are sending sensitive packaging out you know they're they're protecting what's going inside there um, and uh, you know that that could be a a foam that could be in that and then the refrigeration or insulation which would be a rigid type of polyurethane Mm -hmm. to uh, to really uh, you know insulate uh, either you know like homes or refrigerators things like that so I mean it's pretty vast industry for sure.
0: Yeah, it is.
2: And, the, and like the one solution that we've commonly run into that people are using is the, you know, spray release agents, which, you know, is either manual or robotically sprayed. And, uh, it, and they have to keep repeating that over and over and over again. So and that's what we're going after. You know, Teflon would be a dry release, not a wet release type of, of solution.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'm glad you. I'm glad you took us through that and you showed me. Uh, I don't really have to go too far to find an example of where this no. is used. Then. No. All right. Cool. So it's back to school. Mike already threw daunting out. So let's keep up the verbal SAT prep theme. <laughs> so. Uh, it's it's ubiquitous. Ooh. It's everywhere, all at Spell once. It. Spell it's it, Chris. omnipresent. Ubiquitous, the spelling <laughs> challenge <You> today. <laughs> B. I think that's as far as I can get. UB. <laughs> stay tuned for the cliffhanger of that one. Sorry. So look, um, Mike, then if you could, Wolfie was just helping me paint the
1: picture. Tell me what, what the current problems are or the issues that you're running into. You know, Chris talked about Manual or automated spray of release agent onto the molds that are forming all these foam components, mm-hmm. and that's where the problem starts. Is because you're you're taking a, a release agent, and in this case, it's typically a one and done. So it's a temporary sacrificial release agent that has to go on between every cycle of the foaming foam forming process. That's okay. a tongue twister. It, really it is. Um, Nice job. Didn't know I'd get through that. <laughs> but so what happens a lot of times is. Molds have g- complex geometry, so it's really difficult to get temporary release agent 100% into every corner, nook, cranny of the of a mold. I imagine. Even a simple mold sometimes leads to either overspray or underspray of the release agent onto that part. So the difficulty starts there in that it's hard to get the, the release agent with perfect coverage Everywhere. on there. Okay. Because if you get too little on there, obviously there's a there's going to be a greater chance for sticking. Mm-hmm. If you get too much release agent on the part, you run into a situation where you're going to change the the final, say, texture of the foam and foam part. So think of um, headphones that we're wearing now. Yeah. This is polyurethane foam that's mm-hmm. sitting on your ear. If you have too much release agent on there, it's going to have more of an orange peel look to it versus like the nice smooth black... Boom. Okay. Finish on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's really a very narrow range of perfection in in just the application of the release agent. So that's that's one main issue there. If I could uh, interject
2: real quick too, like if you think about like a high volume type of environment, that spray's got to be quick because you, know, you know they're they're going so fast that they don't have time to spray and like you know look at it, make sure it's okay. Yeah, take a walk, whereas yeah. Teflon, if you're if you're applying a Teflon coating. I mean, you're taking your time, you're doing it right, you're, you are you know, and there's even a, like a uh, a quality review before you're even sending that part out, so, you know, I, I would think our, our coating is going to be definitely more comprehensive in coverage <laughs> and things like that than somebody who's got like five seconds to spray another, you know, yep. another coat on. There. Yeah, that's so, a great
1: point. We, I've been in tons of plants where, especially if it's manual spray, there's a person standing there and just like, tss, 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 and then... Looking around the plant, doing everything else, to spray another one that comes up. So yeah. it's, it's not a science. We'll put it that okay. way. Okay, <laughs> so okay, so if I do if I do too much, I get the the orange peel. Right. Um, okay, too so little, you get sticking.
0: I get sticking. Okay, yep.
1: good, very good. Um, and then sticking causes when you go to release the coated foam from the, or the cured foam from the mold, now it will stick into it. Now you have a damaged part that comes out of that mold. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's the lesser of two evils and neither is acceptable on gotcha. a quality standpoint. Gotcha. Um, a big deal that really first got us into this market was it's, there's sticking obviously of, of that sort of stuff that people can deal with through the release agent. They'll they'll limp through it. The, one of the real issues that first got us into this market was actually cleaning these molds. Uh, because the process to clean a mold is something that has to happen every day okay. on, a, on an assembly line. Because even with the temporary release agent, you're still going to get a little bit of buildup with every cycle. So after 20, 40, 50 cycles, you've got a pretty substantial amount of buildup on there. That's, again, reducing the product quality and increasing the chance for sticking and subsequent failures, you know, of, yeah. of the part. So the cleaning is t- something that's super tricky, very labor-intensive. It comes to people. Some people were chipping at it, trying to chip that stuff away. And the danger there is that, you know, you're chiseling it away. You potentially are going to change the geometry of the mold itself. And now it's supposed to be a nice, perfect surface, has a big dig in it. So you can't have that. Is that just out of frustration? The guy's just like, God, I'm just going to hit it. It's brutal. I mean, it's <laughs> sticky. It's nasty. It's hard. It uh, is not fun at all. <laughs> watching. It. I mean, I, I watch people do it, and I'm like, oh, my God, get me out of here. <laughs> um, $10,000 mold. Yeah, it, yeah, it, <laughs> <laughs> the other option that I see more widely used is people that utilize dry ice, uh, a dry ice grit blast type thing. So they're blasting with dry ice. They have a place where at some point in the day they're pulling those molds off one at a time, dry ice blasting it for 20 or 30 minutes. And dry ice is nice because it won't damage the, uh, the geometry of the part. So it will remove the polyurethane. Build up without damaging the integrity of the mold or the geometry of the mold. So it's a yeah. it's a nice option. It's it's expensive. I was going to ask, um, and you're constantly buying you know dry ice. And I sure. guess if you're using that much, they're probably creating it themselves. Yeah. Um, but the equipment to do it's expensive. You usually have one or two people that are assigned to that area that their whole job day in day out is blasting these disgusting molds <laughs> that have buildup on them. So that's that's what's typically done, and so we talk about issues. That's a big issue, right? So you, you've got product quality, obviously impacted, you've got cleaning of the molds Mm -hmm. and then you have a couple indirect issues, which we never knew about until we started getting into the plants and, and really kind of digging into this more. Um, One of which is just the overall health and safety of, of the plant. So you've got airborne release agent that's, that's being sprayed onto these molds. It's, it goes everywhere. I mean, you, it, you guys have been around this. Oh, man, like you can't get around it. Like, when you really? walk into the plant, you're not walking in, you are sliding in because the floor right? has a grease, like sheen Just to it. Just a cake. You ever,
2: you ever work in like a fast food restaurant, like Burger King, McDonald's, you watch those guys, like yeah. they're like moon walking across the floor, <laughs> you know, because yeah. they, they, they had to be so careful walking around. It's the same thing in these environments. Wow. Exactly.
1: Wow. So, so you have this airborne particulate, which, which is a health and safety issue in terms of slips and falls, but also people are breathing it in. So that's not a great thing either. So, no. you know, as more companies get more conscious of what's happening, uh, this is becoming more of an issue in terms of their internal safety people are, are trying to resolve this. And they understand that a big cause of this is the initial spray of this, an overspray of this release agent. Mm-hmm. Um, that also leads to increased maintenance on other equipment all throughout the plant. I imagine. I've seen situations where they're doing the coating in one area of the release agent in one area, one corner of the plant, let's say, and there's equipment on the 200 yards away and motors and things like that that have buildup. That are covered? Yep. And so that's causing a lot of extra maintenance, premature breakdowns, all that kind of stuff on that stuff that has nothing to do with this process. But yet because it's airborne, it's going everywhere. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have to do with that. Um, Costs are a big thing. You know, the uh, indirect and direct costs of buying all this. When they buy the release agent, they're buying a 55-gallon drums, tons of it. So, you know, one person that's not rooting for Teflon to work here is the people that sell releases. (laughs) um, But, you know, cost of release agent, the cost of the waste to get rid of all, like, the damaged parts to either have to fix those parts, yeah. or to have to you know scrap them. There's a cost associated with that. Sure. Um, cleaning the tooling I talked about that right. cost. Um, one example I had, and I have some real numbers here from somebody we were working with that was doing um, seat molds for automotive. Okay, automotive seat molds, and they had and they were kicking out like a fair amount of seats every day. Right, but they had four people per shift doing just. Repair of torn, damaged seats coming out of those molds. At that point, this is a couple of years ago. They're only getting paid twelve fifty an hour, which is a problem now. But yeah. uh, twelve fifty an hour, forty More hours a week, now. four people—that comes down to two thousand a week, or hundred thousand bucks a year—to just fix mold foam parts that didn't come out right. Um, the cleaners, the mold cleaners themselves. Two people per shift, forty hours a week, a thousand bucks a week, fifty thousand a year, so in total, between just the cleaning the the manpower of cleaning and fixing is a hundred and fifty thousand bucks Wow, so those are real numbers so it's there's a lot going on there's a lot of motivation if you're a plant manager, they absolutely would love to solve this problem if they could figure out a way to do it reliably and and you know economically, which is where where we've been grinding away. No pun intended. <laughs> the last few yeah. years, that's uh, a rather daunting number if you're a plant manager Ooh. that we're looking at there to bring that back. Little call back there. Every time we use the word daunting, Patrick gets a, a little royalty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna make that word of the day, like on Pee
0: Wee's. Scream real loud when we say daunting. He doesn't even
2: use it in context. He just uses
0: it. <laughs> yeah, just throws it out. Just throws it out. What do you have tonight, sir? Daunting. Daunting. Uh, wings. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wolf. If we could. Uh, we we just heard about some of these these issues. Mike walked us through those, and that last one was really eye opening with the numbers that you threw out there. Let's talk some Teflon solutions, Wolf.
2: For sure, and and, and you know the, the, the number one performance quality that you're looking for is is release or nonstick. I mean that's paramount in this industry, and it's what they need. Um, and we have a couple products that you know we've that have been used that we're recommending. We have one in particular; it's a high molecular weight version of one of our coatings which we've had a lot of success with um and one of the challenges uh very daunting um (laughs) in the industry is the isocyanates that are in the polyurethane tend to over over time can attack or attach themselves to the teflon or permeate through and the high molecular weight version uh seems to do uh, perform the best in that type of situation like some of our customers have looked at you know uh, coatings that we have that are permeation resistant, which you know, generally speaking, yeah, that's that's the right thought process because you are trying to attack that one problem, which is that permeation of the isocyanate. But um, you know, we've found that this 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 product that we have now um, seems to work better, and you can apply it in multiple coats, and and uh, we've been working with a lot of customers with this product to, uh, in this industry. Um, so, and then of course, again, it, even it, Outside of polyurethane, if we're just talking about food or something like that, we're using Teflon coating, you still do have to maintain. I mean, the maintenance right. thing doesn't go away. Um, and we've had customers say, like, hey, we, we've we've maintained waffle plates consistently on a weekly basis and been able to extend life, like, th- you know, three weeks, four weeks, et cetera, um, you know, where they weren't getting any lifespan at all. So yeah, that's, that's still at play here, too. I mean, you're still going to have to maintain – and there's different ways about going, you know, to clean, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, I hate to say hot soapy water, but like there's acetone, there's different cleaners that you have that you can clean molds with, but it's, it's, it's just being consistent with it. And it's hard for us to put a number on how frequently you need to do it because every business is different. You know, they have different cycle times, uh, the frequency that they're coating uh, or, or that they're molding uh, parts. You know some may take 15 seconds others you know might take two minutes but um you know so that's something that you know we we'd have to get a feel f- you know from the end user as to how often you know are the are the parts running 24 7 or are they just running one
1: shift well so, so the specific formulation of polyurethane impacts that absolutely. as well that's a huge driver yep. in how often the cleaning needs to take place
2: so uh, you know it, it's a little bit hard but it what we're saying is you still are going to have to maintain it, just not as frequently as, you know, the, the maintenance that they do today, which is constant.
1: Right. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, in terms of you ha- with anything, you should be maintaining it and, and keeping that mold clean because that ultimately impacts product quality and life cycle of the Teflon coating. And by no means in any situation is are we saying that the Teflon is going to be permanent right. as, a, as a coating solution, but it's going to be one heck of a lot longer than – what they're doing now which is a matter of cycles Mm -hmm. so you know that's where you have to weigh it out it's going to be the cost benefit of coating that mold one time and the cost of of doing that coating and then recoding it x amount of months later versus not using release agent not cleaning not having quality issues all that and and when people typically walk through that calculation teflon comes out on top every time
2: wow and we were looking at some of the you know release agents that are out there and there's customers that are promoting like or uh, manufacturers that have ptfe in their release agent well i can tell you that the percentage of ptfe that's in that is not very high it's a pretty low you know load of ptfe Why don't you just go with a fluoropolymer it's a full load you yeah, know yeah. you're already you, you got the concept mm-hmm. you know ptfe yeah it helps for release I mean, I've I've got the product. I mean, that that is a solution that is a much higher-powered, you know, fluoropolymer than just somebody that's sprinkled in a little PTFE to give you some release.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, you know, you were talking end-users uh, a moment ago. Uh, so say uh, I'm an end-user, or, or somebody better, like our producer, Frank. Frank's the end-user. Um, he wants to use uh, polyurethane. Um, Mike, are there any red flags or kind of compelling things we need to consider
1: at the, you know, before we use. Sure. I mean, I think anybody out there, any of our coders that are out there that get a phone call or an email saying, Hey, I've got some parts that are polyurethane foam, and I would like you to coat my molds. There, there's absolutely a few red flags that we've discovered over the course of the last four or five years that I would advise people to look out for. Okay. Um, Number one, parts with complex geometry. So I mentioned this one before, um, things like an automotive seat that have a lot of different layers of metal and uh, geometries and different blind spots um, are really hard to get Teflon in and get full coverage of the coating inside of that. Uh, A lot of times those complex complex geometries also have things like vacuum ports and and seals and all kinds of stuff like that that have to have special consideration uh, whoever's doing the coating. So those are ones that um, require tons of masking, really expert spray application. Yeah. Um, uh, and just a lot of consideration of how to handle those different things like seals and vacuum ports that hinges that, um, that require that really, really high end coating expertise. So they can be done. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen them done, but it's not for everybody. So right. it's just one of those things before you jump in the pool, make sure you know how deep that thing is. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like,
0: a, it seems like a really tough complex job in those cases. Yeah. Yep. Very.
1: Yeah. yeah. That, uh,
2: that testing thing is big too. You know, that just be able to control that situation is, is, uh, is uh, again, it, it, it starts to conflict the, the message, you know, once, once that stuff's on my, my Teflon coated mold, now you're not testing Teflon anymore. So, you know, that goes out the window at that point. Um, you know, so we've had some people that are like, hey, we Teflon code, but then we still use release agent. It makes it a heck of a lot easier to, to clean the mold. And we're like, well, that's not really why we presented Teflon. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah the release agent every time <laughs> yeah. hurts the performance of the Teflon. So okay. whether it's a food application or whether it's a, a foam application, if somebody's putting release agent on top of a Teflon coating, yeah. big mistake. No. It, yeah, it's, it's really bad. So this um, is good for our listeners. So we got our, my
0: first red flag with the complex uh, tools, with the, the complex geometry.
1: Yeah. yeah, the other one, another one we, with any coating situation, especially with foam, a really large, heavy part. Okay. Uh, can cause some problems because it, it, this is a multiple coat, multiple cure type application. We need to have multiple coats of Teflon on there because with any good nonstick release coating, the more coatings you have on there, you, you know, you want to have more than one because there's always going to be pinholes in any one coat. Like there's sure. never a pinhole free coating after one layer of coating. So you okay. need subsequent layers, a second, third coat to fill in those pinholes from coat number one. So when you have two or three coats on there, now you've got a nice nonstick coating with zero pinholes. So that's really the key. And so for us, we're looking at something like, what is it, Chris, like eight to 10 mils we're probably going on? Yeah, yeah. So we're going pretty thick with this. Because you want to have awesome release characteristics, but also some durability. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've been experimenting at eight to 10 mil range. And when you start putting four or five coats on, that's four or five bakes in an oven, a big heavy part might be in the oven for 10 hours. When people are really curing this correctly like with thermocouples, wow, it might take that part five or six hours to get up to temperature. And then it has to sit for a period of time and then come out and cool off before you can put the second coating on. So what ends up happening there is the, the cost of coating that part gets driven up because you've got a ton of um, labor, you've got a ton of time in the oven, which is energy. Um, some people don't, like, have long bake cycles in the ovens because now they can't coat other parts. You know, they're used to having four or five jobs going in, the, in and out of their oven a day. Now, if you're coating a, one big heavy part, that thing's going to eat up your oven for 12 hours. Yeah, yeah so yeah. now you can't do anything else mm. in that oven. So, you know, th- so what ends up happening is people have to price the coated mold much higher than they really would, than we would hope. Sure. So now that, va- that value proposition that I talked about earlier, it doesn't look quite as attractive anymore because now the coated mold is, is much more expensive. And the the cost benefit of switching over from re- temporary release to Teflon doesn't look quite as attractive because the coding cost is so high. Wow. So that's kind of a long answer. I hope <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a kind of a rabbit. That was a good long answer. Um, Very thorough. Last one I want to talk about is, well, there's a couple. One is, if, you know, typically when we have people do this, they're going to code a few moles to test uh-huh. and then they'll see what it can do. And if it if the tests come out well, now they'll get the whole line coded. That's, that's typically how this happens. If if you have a customer that can't monitor the test adequately and, and accurately run for cover. Because it's never going to come out good. So, and what I, what I mean by that is Chris talked about, you know, a line of, of parts that are on, that are getting sp- release agents sent on, mm-hmm. sprayed on, whether it's manually or automated. When those Teflon molds come up in it, you have to have a way to make sure they don't get the release agent on them. And we talked about before, it's going to make performance go into crapper. So you can't put the release agent on it you also we also don't want to have a situation where they get pulled off the line and get dry ice blasted which may damage the coating and blast part of the coating off. So in any especially with these foam ones, you have to have end-use customers who are going to take this serious and and have skin in the game themselves. That's why I mean that's why we never give samples away for people like this because if it's a free sample, they're not going to watch it. If they paid for that sample and they paid for that that Part to get on their line, they're gonna they're gonna give it a better. They're look. paying attention. Yep. That's okay. It. We've seen that time and time again in every damn industry we work in, where people want something free, they treat it like it's free. So, uh, um, yeah. so you know, something like that, having a, a properly monitored test, huge critical yeah. thing. Um, the other part too, is, as it relates to your end user, it, ideally they're willing to take a look at all the big picture things, like all those other secondary things that come yeah. along with having the Teflon solution in their, plate, in their facility, like OSHA compliance, Mm -hmm. less wastewater, less waste, you know, improved efficiency from these different areas, less people working on nonsense, being more productive and efficient. So all those things all come into play. It's just a matter of whether people have value for those soft savings or indirect savings versus just the the direct cost of the Teflon. Right.
0: Yeah. This isn't something I want to uh, flip a coin to make the decision on. I think the most important thing taking all that information is calling you guys (laughs) getting in touch with you
2: the beauty of it is when you're talking to these guys whether they know those costs or not you know and because all they can see is like here we're bringing a new solution and you know whoever's doing the coding is going to give them the cost of whatever it's going to cost to do the coding have they actually done the work and look back at like how much release agent they're buying how many people they have dedicated to this process i don't know and then and we'll always ask the question about the testing piece because that's we, we know right off the bat that's like a deal breaker if they can't control that test don't even do yeah, it it's, it's not worth it we're all yeah. wasting our time
1: yep so you, you hit the nail on the head nick in terms of if you have an application call us if you have a question or you have a potential opportunity call us as you can tell we, we've been in a lot of plants we've mm-hmm. had a lot of these conversations we've seen a lot of these applications in real life and we love going on the road to, to see these things in place and to meet with the end users and to help educate them and, and share some perspective that they may not have. So, you know, we're in this together in terms of, yeah. you know, if we can help our customers land that job at a big, at a plant in their neighborhood, then great. We both win. Yeah. So that's why we love doing these trips and going out on the road because, and, and the other thing too is usually we walk in a plant Man, it's like going into a candy shop. You know, We'll, well go in yeah. to see that line, but we'll find <laughs> more stuff I was on gonna, the way to and from that line.
0: I was going to say, if you, you know something happens to bring you guys to a customer's plant, you're going to walk in there and say, well, wow, I never saw that before. Yep. Just just adding to the knowledge or adding to your Learning, but also
1: finding things oh, yeah. in their plant they could coat that they didn't know they could coat. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what I love doing. Yeah, we're, we're definitely
2: educating ourselves, too. I mean, it, it's good for us to see. Yeah. It helps us conceptualize things because yeah, we're... we're you know, we're a distributor, and we're doing sales and things like that. So, you know, we're in our offices, but being out there allows us to really kind of, you know, pull all the information in and, and get a firm understanding. Helps us down the line.
0: Wow. Sticky situation this Very. month as polyurethane makes its debut. Good rookie performance, I think, huh? Yeah. It's a strong competitor as For a sure. first-time show attendee. It certainly is. And certainly is. speaking of shows, you guys just bringing up travel. Uh, it's coming up October 18th and 19th. How are the plans going for, for the return of I-3 October in
2: Nashville? They're going well. Uh, we, you know, the notification uh, officially uh, went out yesterday, um, and then and we've had it on our site for, for a week or so now. And we've been talking to people. As we got back out on the road, Nick, we've been talking to a lot of people about Uh, i3 coming back because it's been since 2019 since we've had it yeah and parts have changed out there in the industry there's new players um, and we don't really know how many other companies that are in our similar business are doing what we're doing Um, and we've changed it up a little bit this year we're really excited about that uh, with a couple of new class offerings uh, you know during the show
1: which is uh, everybody should be excited about for sure. It's going to be fun. We've got we've got great agenda. We've got some fun nighttime stuff planned. Solid dinner restaurant Megan found for us. So nice. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's going to be fun. So I'm I'm excited to see everybody. I'm excited to get back out there with the team. And, uh, and bring these presentations back out in front of the audience. Absolutely. Again,
0: don't call it a comeback. I-3 returns to Nashville <laughs> October 18th and 19th, uh, 2022. Gentlemen, it is the back-to-school edition of the Infuse oh, Show. Man. And I thought on the, on, uh, around the theme of – because it was, it was too cool the way you pulled that mic where I throw that word ubiquitous out and say, oh, look, the foams right here that we're talking about, the cans right on our ears. Yeah. Uh, sticking with that theme – of ubiquitous things. I just had a fun question and the show with. This, this was thrown around the internet. It was thrown around different radio shows I listened to this summer, uh, this past summer. Wolf, I, let, let me get this from you first. What are there more of in the world? Wheels or doors? <laughs> I like that the pause was good. I'm glad you didn't answer right Jeez. away. No, wheels just or doors? Wheels or doors?
2: Is, is there is this a trick question or is there I, an I, actual we, answer? We
0: don't. You know, I could I could throw it here or I could let it dangle to see what, what the listeners think too.
2: I'm gonna say let it dangle. I, I, yeah, you're gonna let it dangle? Okay, you That's
0: can that, give an I'm answer, but no, door. I need an answer. I'm just gonna for, say doors. Doors. Yeah. I uh, go wheels. All right, we got Wolf on doors. we got Mike on wheels. What will you say, Deliver More listeners? We're going to be hoping to hear from you. Listen, this was a great, great time, a sticky situation on the Deliver More show this month. Mike, Wolf, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank a lot you. of fun. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to see you next time from Delahoo, Delaware. Bye-bye, guys. See you. See you.